This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Friday, December 10th. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Here's what you need to know today. The U.S. starts denying some Afghan immigrant applications. Plus, how AI could end foreign language subtitles. But first, Biden versus China and Russia is today's one big thing. On Fridays, we often wrap up U.S. politics. But this week, we're diving into foreign policy because this week has been all about President Biden taking on Russia and China. The president had a two-hour-long call with Vladimir Putin about Ukraine. Earlier in the week, the U.S. announced a diplomatic boycott of the Winter Olympics in China. And this is all against the backdrop of President Biden's Summit for Democracy this week. Axios World Editor Dave Lawler is going to wrap all of this up for us. Hey, Dave. Hi, Nyla. Today's day two of President Biden's Democracy Summit. That's an event with global leaders intended to strengthen democracies around the world. And I know one of the president's goals here is to bring democracies together to band together against China. How has this helped? President Biden kicked off the summit by acknowledging the issues that the United States has with our own democracy and said this was about basically getting like-minded people together to talk about how to bolster democracy around the world. It's very difficult to get 100 countries together and come to some kind of conclusion, but President Biden is talking about this as the beginning of a conversation that will continue throughout his term. And how does this coincide with the U.S.'s strategy on China? It's in some ways quite difficult because do you confront countries that are very important to the China challenge about their democracies at home? India is a country where there's lots of concern about human rights, but India is crucial to the U.S. strategy on China. So that's not an isolated case. There are some questions about that. But yeah, there are some ways in which the China strategy may come into tension uh, with this democracy agenda. Also this week, Dave, the list of countries boycotting the 2022 Beijing Winter Olympics is growing, a diplomatic boycott, I should say. Who's involved with that and how has China responded? Yeah, so these are countries that are not going to send any representatives of their government to the games, but they will still be sending athletes. The U.S. came out on Monday. Australia, Canada, the U.K., and Lithuania have jumped on board. So China is very upset at this snub, but what they were really worried about was athletes skipping. And right now, it looks like all the athletes will go. Now, this is motivated by what the U.S. has called genocide in Xinjiang, China, where Uyghur Muslims are being held in concentration camps. That is the reason the U.S. gave and the other countries have given for the diplomatic boycott. We started the week talking about tensions along the Ukraine border with Russia. Was that the main subject of President Biden's two-hour conversation with Vladimir Putin this week? It was. One thing he wanted to do was say, here's what we're going to do if you invade. So we're talking about sanctions. We're talking about moving more troops into Eastern Europe, which Putin doesn't particularly like. And we have since then seen the Russians say they hope to continue the dialogue. And so we don't know quite yet if this crisis is over. But Biden was definitely hoping that it would move us one step further away from another war in Europe. Dave Lawler is Axios' world editor and author of the Axios World Newsletter. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Nala. 
In 15 seconds, why the U.S. has started to deny some Afghan immigrants entry. Welcome back to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boudou. Thousands of Afghans hoping to resettle in the U.S. are going through an immigration process known as humanitarian parole. The system typically processes 2,000 applications a year. But since the U.S. troop withdrawal from the region, more than 30,000 people have applied. And now the Biden administration is starting to issue dozens of denials. Axios politics reporter Sophia Kai has the scoop. What is humanitarian parole? Is this like the refugee resettlement program? Humanitarian parole gives Afghans two years in the U.S. to complete their application for more formal programs like asylum, refugee, or SIV. And the U.S. used their parole authority to bring 75,000 Afghans in. You got the scoop on this because you got a chance to look at one of the denial letters from immigration officials. What did we learn from that? the Biden administration is starting to issue denials. And I was able to obtain one letter that basically says in fairly vague terms that you do not meet the standard. And the standard is that you must show third-party documentation of the harm that you are in, in the location that you're in. So it's very specific. And the same threat documentation that the U.S. government is asking for, you may have destroyed that in order to keep yourself safe. The lawyers and advocates that I've been speaking to say that it really is an untenable standard that the Biden administration has set for applicants. What has the Biden administration said about this process? So what they've told us is that this parole program was never meant to be a broad program, that it was only intended for people in extreme circumstances who were not able to leave Afghanistan. And, you know, this is still early stages. And the denials that I've heard about are in the dozens. So it is still yet to be seen, but it is sort of a sign for what may come. Axios Politics reporter Sophia Kai. Thanks, Sophia. Thanks. When I'm streaming shows like Squid Game, the hit South Korean drama from Netflix, I always prefer subtitles to dubbing. But it turns out I'm in the minority because more Netflix viewers around the world watched Squid Game in one of 13 dubbed languages than the original Korean with subtitles. As international content like Squid Game becomes increasingly important for streaming services, bad dubbing can be a stumbling block. But there's a new dubbing product called Marvel.ai that may be the solution for these streaming giants, using what it calls hyper-realistic synthetic voices. Axios Future correspondent Brian Walsh is here to explain. Brian, what does this AI allow content producers to do? Well, it actually allows content producers to generate a synthetic voice. And if you can translate it, have that synthetic voice, which sounds very similar to the person speaking in the original language, be speaking in a foreign language. So in the future, you could have, here's Tom Cruise, you know, he's doing Mission Impossible 25. And now you change it and it's Tom Cruise doing Mission Impossible 25, but he's speaking in 
Mandarin or he's speaking in Korean, for instance. And we can already begin to see that happening if you'd like to actually hear what it sounds like. This is Ryan Steelberg. He's the president of Veritone, the company that makes Marvel.ai. You'll hear him speaking in his native language first. We at Veritone, you know, we've been doing this now for about six years. So we're one of the, uh, I guess, the old farts. And now you're going to hear in the synthetic voice that the product generates. I am Ryan Steelberg, president and co-founder of Veritone, and this is a Marvel.ai synthetic text-to-voice model of my voice used with my express permission. I don't think you'd see a Netflix go straight to this yet, but, you know, for expanding foreign language uh, content here in the U.S., or, of course, English content, Hollywood content around the world, it's, it's pretty big. Does this not then open the door to this technology faking people's voices? That's definitely a concern. Like any sort of content we've seen so far that really is able to create synthetic images, synthetic uh, videos, or synthetic voices, obviously opens up the door to, well, you couldn't be faking anything. That's Axios' Brian Walsh. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. Before we end the week, the year is almost over, and we're starting to look back. There are already end-of-the-year best-ofs and top-tens galore, like, did you know that a tweet from the Korean boy band BTS got the most retweets in 2021, according to Twitter? It was a hashtag StopAsianHate tweet. Next week on the show, we're going to be having some special conversations about the year's biggest moments, but that made me want to ask you, what was your best moment this year? You can email me at podcasts at axios.com or you can text me at 202-918-4893 and we'll air some of those next week. Axios Today is brought to you by Axios and Pushkin Industries. We're produced by Alexandra Boti, Nuria Marquez-Martinez, Lydia McMullen-Laird, David Toledo, and Sabina Singani. Our sound engineers are Alex Sugiyara and Jake Cherry. Julia Redpath is our executive producer, and Sarah Kehlani Gu is our editor-in-chief. Special thanks to Axios co-founder, Mike Allen. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening, and have the best weekend. The podcast Business Casual for Morning Brew is back for a new season with new hosts. Nora Ali and Scott Rosowski give you a front row seat to conversations with some of the biggest names in business, asking them the questions you wish you could ask yourself. This season looks at how business shapes culture and how it transforms our lives. New episodes arrive every Monday and Thursday wherever you get your podcasts.